Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. It's Thanksgiving, so we're thankful to know incredible people like our guest on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. This is Christine Lilly, the all-time leader in international caps for men and women, winner of two World Cups, two Olympics, and four national championships at UNC. I am also a mom who wants the best for my daughters, and I am excited to see them enter the ECNL. So join me and my old friend from the late 80s, Dean Linke, on this special Thanksgiving edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. That's right. We have Christine Lilly after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. This is the ECNL podcast, our special Thanksgiving edition, and it's such a great honor to be with arguably one of the greatest players the world has ever seen, Christine Lilly. She was a member of the U.S. Women's National Team for 23 years and is the most capped football player in the history of the sport, men's or women's, gaining her 354th and final cap against Mexico in a World Cup qualifier in November 2010. Christine Lilly scored 130 goals for the U.S. National Team. She competed as a student athlete at the North Carolina Tar Heels from 89 to 92. During her time there, she won the NCAA Women's Soccer Championship every year she played. She won the Herman Trophy as a junior in 91. As a senior, she won the Honda Sports Award as the nation's top soccer player. To honor her time with the school, North Carolina retired her number 15 jersey in 1994. Christine Lilly, welcome to our special Thanksgiving edition of the ECNL podcast. Yes, thank you. Excited to be here. And yeah, chat looking, with you about soccer and all good things. Yeah, I've known you since 1989. That's when I first showed up for that first soccer camp out in Santa Barbara. Do you remember those days, Lil? <laughs> I mean, it's um, sometimes I do when I someone uh, re- refreshes me on some things. I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> those were the good old days, I do have to say. Well, as we dive right in, obviously, the Men's World Cup was uh, underway. The USA played Wales. That felt like a loss to me. Uh, did you watch the game? I did. I did. I took my youngest daughter out of school early so we could watch it. No. Yeah. I, I mean, but it was, you know what? I was, I was pleasantly happy to see how they played though. I thought they played pretty good. I mean, that foul was probably not the best choice to foul right there, but, but I thought they did. I thought they did well for a young team. I mean, I don't know what the average age is. They're the second youngest team in the world cup. Did I hear? Or is that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, to get a, they got a point. So it's all about just getting to the next round. So they have to salvage at least a point out of England or three points would be ideal. And I think they can get three from Iran. So it's exciting. It's, it's so, and, it, and it's so funny. I, I would just watch some of the Argentina game and I'm like, holy cow, like, look at like, just like that, a game could go a different way. 
and the World yeah. Cup if you don't if you're not on. I mean, obviously Saudis just packed it in, but this is exciting about the group stage. This first games don't necessarily meet a ton, but it's always nice to get a point. Yeah, it certainly is strange doing the World Cup during Thanksgiving time, which is also the time when the NCAAs are heating yes. up. And because of that, you were in town, which is another reason which kickstarted me wanting you to be our special guest on the ECNL Thanksgiving edition, because I saw you were in town. You watched North Carolina beat BYU. And then, of course, you worked for Ange Kelly for, I think, four years at Texas as an assistant yeah. coach. And they played a tough game against Duke. What was that like to be back in town at North Carolina, then also seeing Ange and, then of course, Carla Overback yeah. over on the Duke bench? Well, you know what? It's so great. I mean, um, have so many friends in the game coaching and a lot of my Carolina alums, you know, and uh, to have Ange and face up against Dukes and Carla and, and Robbie. Um, it was hard because, you know, Duke hasn't, Duke's always been in there, but they haven't yet won. And then Ange is just trying to get in there to this. So it was a tough one to watch, but it was a great game. And I think what's been so exciting about the college game right now is the level is obviously you know, gotten better and better, but you can see all these games. My daughters and I, we watch all the games on TV. Um, so it's just incredible that now young people can see, you know, the players playing at higher levels. Um, and I just, it's been fun, but it was, it was great to be back in town and see Carla and Ange and um, me was in town and um, Wendy. I'm, a lot of my old, old stomping grounds and old people that uh, I played with and coached my assistant coach Dino and I saw Anson. So it was a, it was a fun weekend for me. Yeah, I heard Mia was in town too. Was that because of all of this or something else? Yeah, I mean, just I think opportunity came to come for this and uh, it was all timing. They're good timing for all of us. Yeah, well, you guys have known each other forever. Uh, remind us when you first met Mia. Uh, was it before college or in college? Was the national team already up and running? Yeah, it was before college. So the the two of us made the national team in 87 and we went in Carolina in 89. So we were already a year and a half on the national team. So we met at a, a, a national camp with Julie Fowdy and Joy Fawcett too. And that's when we all made the national team. At, so me was 15, me and Julie were 16 and, and Joy, I think was 19. So we we're little babies. Yeah, that's incredible. And then 23 years later, 354 caps. I know you've had this question a million times, but you think about that 354 caps. I mean, you decided to play longer than anybody, men or women, Christine. That's just an amazing stat. When you break down that stat, what does it mean to you? I appreciate what I've done because um, you, you not only did I play those games, but I was a starter in most of the games. So that means I was doing doing the work to be able to be on the field. And that's the job. That's what every player wants, wants to be on the field playing. So I was just, I'm just proud of, you know, what I've done and the people that I played with uh, was outstanding. You know, all the different generations of people I played with. I think I, overlapped with Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino on the current team right now. So, you know, to, to see that, knowing that I played with them at one point, is makes me feel really old, um, mm -hmm. but also it's a uh, really neat, but I just, uh, I loved, I love playing. I love playing, you know, representing my country. It was an honor and uh, not everyone gets to do it. Take me back to that first world cup in 1991, you know, Anson was kind of putting that team together. My first camp, as I mentioned, was in 89 with all of you out in Santa Barbara. And I was just amazed by how good everybody was. I remember showing up and watching Michelle Aker strike a ball and was like, man, I can't hit a ball like that. Like, there's no <laughs> way, you know, like those, a lot yeah. of those players were just amazing. What do you remember about those early days, Lil? You know, being so young, I was just trying to take it all in and I was just trying to keep my head above water. Um, you know, you're just uh, a young kid, so you're feeding, you're just, taking all the feedback from the older players, you're watching them, um, knowing how to handle myself, being, 
you know, taking it all in and, and just contributing as much as I could at the time. And um, I was pretty fit even back then. So my fitness was still my backbone of my career and that enabled me to be on the field and just, uh, just to grow. And uh, um, being a rookie player, you just want to contribute and, and learn and find out how to be a professional athlete and how to be on that field day in and day out. And the environment that Anson provided for us on the national team was very competitive. So I knew how to compete um, for anything I wanted. And that's what all those women represented. It wasn't, we didn't just get there and think, Oh, we're going to, we're going to play. We had to compete for our spot every day. And practice was probably the biggest competitive atmosphere for all of us um, back then. And, and it helped us all be better and it helped our team be better. You know, I don't know what your record was at Wilton high school, and I'm not sure how many brothers and sisters you had. And if you, played them and won everything. But the way I remember you is you won the 91 world cup. And I think you won every national championship every year at North Carolina. Do I have that right? Yes, I did. <laughs> That's a and lot of I winning. Won, I won three out of the four state titles at my high school too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but I did lose. And, uh, but the thing is I like, I remember back in the day, every uh, people were like, gosh, you guys never lose like on the national team. And I'm like, yeah, we do. We lose every day in practice and our environment and practice was so competitive that we we didn't we didn't like losing none of us liked to lose so we wanted to win um so that environment created you know the mentality of the u.s team you know and uh winning is so much so much better <laughs> you feel better um than losing but the when you you know the tough times when you do lose you do learn and you do grow and uh i think any time that we lost we just realized we hated it so much so we were like okay what else do we need to do to help this be successful so that's what we did Train, train. Yeah, train, train, win, win. The most capped football player in the history of the sport, men or women, Christine Lilly. We're going to take a break and be back with segment two, the ECNL podcast, Breaking the Line with Christine Lilly. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL girls and ECNL boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the national championship winning ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Coaches of the Year and the ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Goals of the Year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, our Thanksgiving edition with Christine Lilly, the most capped player, men or women. I think that's worth bringing up as the Men's World Cup is going on right now, as even there's no man out there that's even close to Christine Lilly's record. We went to break. We talked about, you know, all that winning that you did at North Carolina with the national team, as you mentioned, at Wilton High School. Talk about when you decided to retire 
How hard was that? Because you probably could have played another 10 years, Lil. You look like you could be <laughs> yeah. playing right now. What was it uh, when you looked in the mirror and said, now's the time? You know, thinking back to that, I mean, I had, uh, this is 2010. So I just had my first child in 08. Um, so after the World Cup in 07, my husband and I were, you know, I was debating whether I was going to play try for the uh, Olympic team or have a baby. And we were like, well, let's try. If we get pregnant, we have a child. If we don't, then I play. Uh, fortunately, um, either way, it would have been fortunately. Fortunately, we got pregnant. I had my first shot in 08 and I wasn't done. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to hang them up. And I remember, you know, I trained all throughout my pregnancy. Um, and then I remember after having, I'm like, okay, I still want to play. So um, I came back uh, for that uh, year. So that was 09. So they, uh, they won the gold and then I came back and then they started the second pro league. So I got to play in the pro league, which enabled me to have a, a place to train. And that first year back, I went in with the national team, probably five months after I had a baby and I wasn't a hundred percent yet. And I did all right. I played a little bit and then I didn't get called back in and I was like, okay. So a little discouraged, but I, I was playing in the pro league and I was doing well. And then finally a Pia called me in to a camp. I forget when it was. And like I said earlier, like it's an honor to play for the national team. So when she, I got the call up, I was like, yeah, I'd love to play. Why wouldn't I? So I went back in and I think that was maybe the summer. I can't remember exactly. And it was going all right. You know, it was a little bit different role for me. I wasn't, you know, starting or played very much, to be honest with you. Um, and my body was taking a toll and I was, you know, it was a little harder. Um, so I went through co-qualifiers. And we qualified and then um, my husband and I were at the same predicament because <laughs> I was, you know, 39 and I was like, if we want to have another child, we got to do it now. So it was the same thing. If I get pregnant, you know, I don't play. And if I don't, then I play, try out for the World Cup team. Well, I got pregnant. So um, after that, um, I remember being like, I don't think I could do this again, you know, try to come back and play. So after I had my second child instead of playing for the national team, I decided to run a marathon. So that's what I did. <laughs> I trained right. for a marathon. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I it know. was hard, but um, it was also at the point I was just tired. I, I was still playing, I think pretty well, but I was just, it was just, I was just, I was just tired, harder to do. You get excited to get up and train. And then, you know, the balance of kids, I was, you know, it was, that was okay to be honest with you. But um, I think the, the competitive edge where when like that some practice I didn't do well, or if we didn't win, it wasn't like, I wasn't really upset about it. So I was like, well, maybe I'm losing that competitive edge and uh, just thought it'd be best to hang it up. So how many years longer did you play than your contemporaries, your peers like Mia and Julie yeah. and Carla? And were they uh, like saying, what are you doing out there, Lil? Or were they saying <laughs> keep going? No, they were keep going. They were, they were always in my corner. You know, they're like, you're still doing well. Um, they retired. Mia was Oh four with Jules and joy and uh, Mia. Carla uh, was after 2000. So it was another six, six wow. to 10 years for some of them. Yeah. So that was a little hard in the beginning to go on just cause you looked around the field and I was like, where's all my buddies. <laughs> um, but it was great. Um, and I kept going and, and uh, enjoyed it. Okay, so you have the two kids, and then mm -hmm. you've kind of dabbled in different things, you know, including the time at Texas, which is mm -hmm. a big commitment to be an assistant coach at a college program, I think is tougher than people realize. I admire mm -hmm. 
great assistant coaches because you kind of have to, you're not necessarily in the limelight, but you got to do all the work. I mean, one person I definitely admire is Carl Overbeck. She's done it for 31 years and has never sought the limelight. Yeah. Um, What was that like at Texas and, and what made you decide that, um, you know, four years or so, I think that was about, I think you did it for four years, right? Um, Uh, Just under, yeah, just under three. You know, I, I wanted to give it a try. I had never coached that level. I mean, mainly all my coaching is young kids at camp. Um, so I was like, you know what? My husband and I were like, let's give it a try. We had, the kids were young. Um, so it was easy to get up and move, um, or, or sort of easy. Uh, and then I did it and it, it was fun. I, it is a lot of work. I mean, even the, I mean, just the call, you never get, you never downtime. And I was, um, I didn't have to do as much as normal assistants do. And you want to be more like with the players and, you know, so I wasn't doing all the, a lot of the grunt work that um, a lot of assistants do, but, um, but I, I think in the part of me, I like younger kids. I like coaching younger kids. So I think after the third year, my husband and I um, were like, well, he could get his fire position back within five years. So we're like, and the family was back here. And so we decided to go back home to, closer to family however now that it's winter i'm kind of missing the warm weather of texas <laughs> right now <laughs> absolutely so it was a great experience i loved coaching with and texas was a great university and all the players that um i was able to work with it was it was really a lot of fun well you started a soccer academy is that still going do you still have your soccer mm-hmm. academy going what's I it do. called and where can people learn more about it yeah so it's the christian lily soccer academy basically it's a camp um i started in 95 so i've been doing it for i mean i can't even do the math how long i've been doing it Almost 25 years now, maybe. We have five. Almost 30 years. Yeah, almost, almost 30, 30 years. years. Wow. <laughs> um, and I just run camps in the summer. I do them in Connecticut and I do them in Massachusetts. Um, and it's great. I get, you know, 100 something kids for a week. And um, I get a lot of my kids have all done the camp. Now my oldest is kind of aging out. So she's going to help coach. And a lot of players that I've trained throughout the camp, they've come back and could be uh, been coaches as well. So it's just a way for me to give back to my hometown where I grew up and then, you know, reach, reach a lot of young people and um, hopefully give them experience where they're enjoying the game and, and getting a little bit better in the week they're with me. You're also doing a lot of those camps with Mia and mm-hmm. Tish, right? What is that Correct. camp called and what's that about? So, yeah, so I have, we have also have the Team First Soccer Academy. So we started that in 2010 right when I retired um, and we were trying to figure out me, Tish, Ange and Mia, we're trying to figure out a way where we could get to see each other because we weren't seeing each other anymore. So we're like, well, let's, let's do something with soccer. So we're like, well, let's start doing a camp. So we got together to do this company and we travel around the country and we've been to um, actually Iraq too um, and did a training course. Tish and I went over there for team first and trained you know, some coaches and train kids to show them the curriculum that we use to help them in their, uh, the war stricken areas down there, which was amazing. Um, and we've been as far as Alaska, California, New Jersey, you know, Florida, we've been all over the country training kids and it's an opportunity for us to share. It's really kind of a unique thing because you're getting three great players, <laughs> but you're getting experience from us that is so different. Our, we all ended up on the national team, but our stories are similar, but like our personalities are different. So I think what the kids can um, get from us is they can identify with one of us, maybe a little bit more, you know, maybe there's a forward that identifies with Mia or a midfielder, a set of midfield like Tish or an outside midi like me. So I think they get an environment where they see these players that have reached the highest level and then now sharing it and they do have fun. Like we do, we laugh a lot. 
and we show that you, you can work hard, you can have fun and you can be successful. And that's kind of what we want to give those kids an opportunity to feel. A little tougher question as it relates to personality, because the way I remember it, and I think it's been written about a little bit is as you were coming up, it was Mia Hamm and Christine Lilly, these two great players that were winning all of the awards. They were also great friends. But I got to imagine that it's not always easy. And I feel like I remember sometimes Mia deferring to you, you deferring to Mia or, or something along those <laughs> lines. Like, how hard was that, Christine? How can you put that into perspective as you guys form your friendship? But a lot of times when somebody's great, they want to be the greatest, right? And you two guys were sort of neck and neck, you know, maybe mm -hmm. Mia stepped up with the commercials and everything else. Did that ever affect you at all? Just talk about that dynamic. Yeah. You know, I think what's kind of neat, um, especially for young girls, you know, you're always comparing yourselves. And um, I think in the beginning for me and I, you know, young on the national team, we were just trying to find our footing. So, we, you know, we relied on each other, you know, support. And to this day, we still do. And I think I never really remember either of us wanting uh, to be better than the other. I think okay. what we wanted to be, what we want to be the best that we could be. And I think, you know, if we could be successful, then our, our teams would, that we were on would be successful. And I, the only time I could remember, I would, you know, when you're struggling a little bit, I would look, you know, I played behind Mia at times. So she was kind of in front of me a lot. And uh, some days I'm like, gosh, I can't do that. I can't, you know, cut the ball on the dime and then cut again and cut again. Maybe I should try that, you know? So I would try to work on some things that Mia was really good at and I wasn't being very successful. And I was thinking, I can't do what Mia does, but I can do, I can run up in that field. I could, you know, I could play, play make with her. I could do a great cross, you know, I could do what I can do. And it made me realize that, you know, there, there are times players when you're out there that you're going to see people do things and you're like, gosh, I, I wish I could do that. And you could try and be better at that. But I think what I learned the most is you have to focus on your strengths. Mia's strengths were different than my strengths. And, but if we both were stronger in our strengths, our team was better. So I think, you know, we may, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't feel like we ever really battled over attention or, you know, being the, the best player in the world. I think Mia was, um, and still is one of the best players. I heard Michelle Akers were incredible. Um, and I would always want her on my team. So <laughs> the good thing is majority of the time she was. And so I don't think the, that stuff really got into us. And I think that enabled us to, you know, remain the good friends we are today and that we could rely on each other. And if anything, you know, she was giving me praise or I was giving her praise or we're, you know, lifting up our other teammates that are doing wonderful things. So I've learned through the game that you need to do your job, you need to do it well, and you need to support your team. And that's what I've learned so much from Mia, from all the girls I played with. What a great time spending with Christine Lilly. One more question before we take our last break and come back and talk about the fact that she's got a daughter coming up, getting ready to play in the ECNL. And that is, I do want to go back. You know, I know that uh, you won the World Cup in 91, you won Olympics, but in 99, my most vivid memory is you heading that ball away against China to keep it at zero zeros and force penalty kicks. How many times do you get asked about that and how much is it to remember that incredible header? Oh, it's great. I mean, uh, what's funny is, I don't know, I was at some event um, after the World Cup and there was a big banner um, with my header on it. And I don't know where I was. But anyway, when we moved back to Mass, my husband found it and was like, let's put this up. So the header is on the uh, in, on our basement wall. Like, That's awesome. <laughs> it's really funny. So we see it. And, you know, it's, I, I share the story a lot and, uh, you know, I, I wrote a book. So I talk a lot about teamwork and, and doing your job and, and your, knowing your role. 
and I talk about the header a lot and you know, it was my job. It was my job to be on that post. It was my job to make the goal smaller. And it was my job to help if the ball comes to me. So all those things that occurred was something that, that my position was supposed to do. However, in, in a, in an overtime of the world cup final, you never really think that's going to happen. Um, so I love it. I love that I was there and doing my job. And I think the thing I like to share with a lot of the young people too, I go, my, the weakest part of my game was heading. And I happened to head the ball off the line. So <laughs> even your weak, your weakest moment, your weakest skill can help you. Um, so never think that you can't uh, do something. Uh, so it just, it just, it was a moment in the game and it helped our team win and it led to PKs and great penalty kicks from all of us. And, uh, uh, one heck of a celebration. Well, before we take our break, I always like to plug great things. And you said you wrote a book. Tell us the name of your book and where people can find it, maybe order it, maybe a great Christmas present. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's called Powerhouse. So it's 13 teamwork tactics to help your team be more successful. And I co-wrote it with uh, um, uh, John and Lynette Gill. It's two people I met in Texas and they're in the business and academic world. And basically it's just uh, sharing the, the success of the U.S. Women's National Team um, and why we were successful and, and taking those tactics to help organization, organizations and um, teams and groups to be more successful. So you can get it at Amazon. You can email me at christinelilysa at gmail and I can sign one and send to you. Um, but yeah, it's a great book. Each chapter tells a story about each chapter is about one of my former teammates and, and it highlights, you know, their strength and their tactic, whether it's communication um, culture, chemistry, you know, selecting your team. Those are all the, the titles of the chapters. And uh, all my great teammates contributed to it from Carla to Mia to Abby to Brandy. Um, so it's really kind of a great, great read. Say the book one more time, nice and slow. Powerhouse. Just powerhouse. That works. Just okay. powerhouse. All right. Powerhouse, yeah. Powerhouse. Speaking of powerhouses, Christine Lilly is a powerhouse. We'll take one more break and we'll talk about the ECNL. Her daughter is getting ready to play for the ECNL, which is really cool. And he's the perfect guest for our Thanksgiving edition. We're certainly thankful for all that Christine Lilly has done for the game in our country and around the world. This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. When we went to break, we said we we're going to talk about the fact that Christine Lilly's oldest daughter is getting ready to enter the ECNL, but she also talked about her book, 
I do want to talk about one more book and a um, podcast that I worked on last year with Anson Dorns, the Vision of a Champion podcast. I think you were on there, Christine Lilly. I think mm -hmm. I may have even interviewed you. I can't remember. Were you on the Vision of a Champion podcast? Do you remember? I can't remember. You know, I can't remember. <laughs> I think I, did. I was or I was trying to be. I can't remember it ever happened, but. Um, okay. Well, I know, know we were trying. Book. Yeah. And, well, we had, you know, a guest for every single chapter and uh, really, you know, really oh, a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. And uh, so check that out when you get a chance. Vis Visit of a Champion podcast as well as we're promoting books, we're promoting podcasts on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. All right. The ECNL has been a powerhouse in the girls' side for a long, long time. When you look at Texas just the other day, when you look at even North Carolina, when you look at Duke, uh, you know, I would say 90% of the team, if not even 100% of the team, is made up of ECNL players. And now your daughter is entering the ECNL world. You know, look, there's a lot of alphabet soup out there, but clearly, particularly on the women's side, and now they're getting stronger on the men's side. The ECNL has really galvanized young girls to, I think they're, they're a big reason why there's so much parity now in college soccer, because it's been such a great league. Their showcase events are so outstanding. Here you go with your oldest daughter. Tell us her name and what ECNL team she's going to be playing with and how you feel about her entering that ECNL competitive world. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, shoot, I remember when ECNL started, um, it was actually around the similar time that we started a team first soccer Academy, 2010 or 29, 2009. Yep. You know, when it started, it was around, right around that time. There, yeah. 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 So I remember that and I was like, wow, this is pretty great. Like these, you know, great players get to play together in a great league. Um, so I remember that start of it and to see that where it is today, I mean, you know, you hear all the coaches going to, you know, the ECNL tournaments where all the top players are. So it's, it's a great recruiting tool for the college coaches. Um, so I've been on the outside of it for a long time. And now my oldest um, is 14 and she's joining um, an ECNL team. She plays for FC Stars here in uh, Massachusetts. And um, so she's just joining this fall. Uh, before that, I was coaching her in my small little academy. I was running for some teams. So I'm kind of excited. I'm excited for her to be around, you know, stronger players and be an environment for her to continue to grow as a player, you know. Um, but the bottom line when I when I talk about anything or all these things is these kids, you just got to work hard, you know, and I think see, ECNL gives you the platform and it's just what you decide to do within it. So I'm excited for her her season to, to get going. I mean, we had the fall, which was she was a trap year because of half her age group was in high school. So we'll have a winter program. And then I think the spring I'll start to see what ECNL is all about with going to playing games here, going to different tournaments. So I'm looking forward to uh, the process that she'll go through. Well, we're certainly excited to have your daughter in the ECNL. As you move forward, it sounds like you'll continue to work with your academy or camp, as you call it. It's kind of both. You'll continue to work with Mia and Tish and Ange on their thing as well. That's called what? First, what's that called again with the uh, uh, team first team first soccer first. Academy. Okay, Perfect. Thank you, Christine Lilly. You know, down the road, you know, we're starting to see former players uh, invest in the NWSL. Is that something that you also want to do getting involved in the NWSL or do you want to sit back and, and really enjoy your family right now? What, what, what do you want to do? Yeah, down the you road? know, I would love to, I mean, uh, obviously the, we, the bot, there's not a Boston team anymore, but we're, I think trying to put in for one. Um, but yeah, I would love to be involved, um, in it. I, I wish I could offer more dollars to the investment process, but <laughs> that's not always works out, but no, I would love to continue to help grow the game. And if at any level, I mean, I like coaching the young kids, but, um, 
if we were to get a Boston team back here again, that would be great to be a part of it and somehow help um, help that franchise if it happens. Um, but yeah, it, it's exciting to see what the NWSL has been, um, you know, to see the growth it has, to see now the support that we're getting from sponsors and investors um, and just really seeing how society has grown into loving the game of soccer more and more and, you know, supporting the women's side specifically. As somebody who has more caps than anybody in men or women, since you talked about the NWSL, I want to move it back over to the U.S. Women's National Team. They won the last two World Cups. However, in the Olympics, Canada stepped up. We just watched the UEFA's uh, where 90,000 people were watching women's soccer. And it's clear to me, Christine Lilly, which means it's probably clear to you <laughs> that it's not going to be a walk in the park this time around. All of these countries are really getting stronger, including England and Denmark. I mean, all of them are, it's not going to be easy, is it? No, you know what? It, it never, it, it never is. Although I think it's, more, it's getting more hard because obviously the, the world cup is expanding. You know, there's more teams in the world cup now than we have. I mean, our first world cup, I think there was 12 teams. Um, I think there was three groups of four, to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, to see now that it's getting, I think it was, well, was it up to 32 the last World Cup? They keep adding it. I can't forget what the numbers are at. Um, but it's just grown so much. So it's, it, it's, it's never easy, but it's even more, I wouldn't say more, now more teams have, have the opportunity to win. <laughs> That's how I see it. Like England, I mean, the fact that England just won the Euros and now, um, you know, are, have a great momentum moving, uh, moving into next season. They have the new coach, Serena, who was coach at, you know, Holland that brought European championships and then made it final to the last World Cup. So they have a great coach in her who I also played with at North Carolina for a year. Um, and then you know, the normals, Germany, France, you know, all these normal Spain. I mean, the fact that Spain, what Spain has done has been incredible. And then you have a team like Th uh, Thailand who was in the World Cup last uh, World Cup first time. You know, I bet you this next World Cup, you know, they're going to be better just because they've had that experience. And now that's the support they'll get to, um, you know, financially and in the training will get better. Um, so it's just great. And, it, and I'm looking forward to next summer in Australia, New Zealand, and, and hopefully the, the U S can do a three-peat. This will be, this will be tough, but, um, I mean, I always bet on the U S another former player teammate of yours. Uh, I'm not sure if you played with her at North Carolina, or if you crossed over, but Cindy Parlo Cohn as the president mm -hmm. of us soccer, doing great work for equal pay. What's your comment on the equal pay situation now and all that progress they've made? Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. I think it's been a long time coming. Um, but I think actually having Cindy in the position that she was as president of New Soccer probably helped that along a little bit more. Um, not just because she's a female, but she's been at every level. She's, you know, she's played collegiately. She's played on the national team. She's won World Cup Olympics. She's played in the pro league. She coached in the pro league and won. So she's covered every gamut of playing and coaching and then have the position she has right now has, is incredible. And I think she was a big part to make this all happen um, for equal pay. And it, it, it just, it's about, it's about time with some of this stuff. I mean, U.S. soccer is a nonprofit. So, you know, the funds coming in have to go out equally to, you know, both sides. So um, it's great to be in the position we are and setting an example for the rest of the world. Um, and to continue to help the, the women's uh, side grow even more. And I think the other side of it is the men and women in the U.S. soccer, we're a team together. You know, I think we think that we are, go at each other a bit. But I think, you know, the guys and the girls, we want the best for both sides. And I, hopefully this will continue to 
to make it possible and, and playing wise with them doing well this World Cup and then the financial side for both sides as well. Christine Lilly, a true legend of the game and always had time for her when I first met her back in 1989 and so pleased that she has time for me to be our special guest on this week's Thanksgiving edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Christine Lilly, a real honor, great conversation. Glad to hear your girls are doing great. Glad to hear that uh, your oldest daughter is going to be entering the ECNL. Hope your mm-hmm. uh, youngest daughter does as well. Kristen Lilly, an honor to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.